You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Deke Hager. And I'm Noelle Herhusky-Schneider. This is WFHB Local News for Monday, December 12th, 2022. Later in the program, we have an excerpt from the latest edition of KiteLine, our public affairs program devoted to prison issues in the Midwest and beyond. More in today's feature report. Bloomington residents showed up to a drag show at Switchyard Brewery to demonstrate their support after the bar received threatening phone calls about the event. But first, your daily headlines. At the Monroe County Council's December 6th meeting, County Attorney Jeff Cockrell introduced a request from Oliver Winery for a seven-year tax abatement and introduced the public hearing on the abatement. This came before the County Council last month as a preliminary approval, pursuant to, and this is a for a personal property tax abatement for the Oliver Winery uh, expansion project. Uh, this is a request for a tax abatement for personal property only. It's for a seven-year period, and they're requesting 100% of the, the amount of personal property tax to be abated. Um, I, I, I'll talk about that more after the public hearing, but... Um, and so this is kind of the second we've given notice. We've had the related documents available in the assessor's office. And so this is to allow people to come in and tell you what they think about the request. During the public comment on the tax abatement request, Greater Bloomington Chamber of Commerce member Jim Shelton explained that they want Oliver Winery to expand their business here rather than look elsewhere. Uh, we urge you to support this as we did when it came up a month ago. As we said then, uh, Oliver Winery has been a wonderful corporate uh, citizen here, uh, provide a lot of jobs to a lot of people, and uh, we encourage you to encourage them to grow. As they explained, they have the opportunity to grow in some other places too, and we want them to have their growth be here and have them continue to be great corporate citizens. So please approve this. Livington Economic Development Corporation Business Development Director Clark Greiner also supported the abatement. You know, I'm here to express support on behalf of the VEDC for the proposed personal property tax abatement for Oliver Wine Company. You know, as you know, Oliver Wine Company is a world-class maker of fine wines uh, here in our community. Uh, They intend to expand uh, and add new state-of-the-art equipment uh, if the abatement is granted. Um, They are a wonderful organization, have been part of our community for 50-plus years, and they they just have so much um, passion for the community. Uh, they are considered one of the largest wineries in the uh, U.S. right now, I think ranking about 28. Uh, and as a result of that, uh, they are also considered by Travel and Leisure a top 25 winery to visit in the U.S. Uh, back in uh, 2017. And in early 2021, they developed a relationship with uh, next phase capital to help them continue to scale up for future growth. Uh, and that is always a great sign. So, uh, and then in October of 2022, Oliver Winery was named an impact blue chip brand by the publisher of uh, wine spectator magazine. And it's a war given to the best performing uh, major players in the wine industry over the long term. So they're committed to that. They're also committed to the community. Uh, they constantly invest 
back into our community through um, donations that they make to the American Cancer Society, Hoosier Hill Food Bank, um, New Hope for Family, local Rotary Clubs, and many, many others. So I would just, again, um, encourage your support for this abatement. So thank you for your time. After the public hearing, Cockrell shared some additional information on how Oliver Winery plans to hire more employees and how the council and the winery settled on the seven-year abatement. I just remind you that they currently have 63 employees. Their, their application indicated that this would add another 21 employees to that, um, and their average starting wage is over $21 an hour. If you include uh, benefits, it's closer to 30 um, dollars per hour for the for the employees. Um, at last month's meeting, we talked a lot about the difference between a seven-year uh, 100% personal property tax abatement uh, versus for what their original request was, which was a standard tax abatement for 10 years for both real and personal property. I think you should have gotten a copy of kind of a real simplified uh, spreadsheet would show that the difference that they're paying is they're actually going to be paying $125,341 more based upon those estimates that you all know our tax rates change all the time and, and that could affect be affected that way. Um, but I thought you guys had requested that information. Council member Jennifer Crossley asked about when Oliver Winery would hire the 21 new employees. She cautioned that Bloomington offered a tax abatement to Catalent with the promise of new jobs, and they just recently laid off around 400 workers. Cockerell responded. I just had one quick question because um, not to address the elephant that's happening in the city right now. Um, in terms of what happened with Catalent, um, I know that's we're different, um, but in some regards, maybe not. But in terms of you said adding 21 more jobs. How long, like, what's the time span of that? They indicated that those jobs will be added in, in between the next three to five years. Okay. And, and, and just so you know, that information gets, we reference the memorandum of understanding. That information gets placed in the memorandum of understanding that the county council president signs, as well as the, the business company sign, business representative signs, so that everybody knows what we're talking about and, and what, what that means. Councilmember Marty Hawk commented that the winery has become a destination for tourism. Councilmember Trent Deckard said he was supportive of the request and addressed the concerns of the public that the company would leave Bloomington. Thank you very much. I, I just want to make a quick comment. Uh, I'm going to vote for this, and of course I support it and want always business to do well here and to grow here. And I'll make this comment as a, a child of a family where uh, an employer left the community and it had serious effects on my family and many others. And I say this not to say, well, you know, this, this will happen here, can happen here. I say this to folks listening, both at Oliver and BDC representatives, we don't want you to ever leave. Um, and we want you to continue to always do business in this, this community. That's very important that we take care of our people and this action of this council is our half of that, that commitment. And so we want you to stay here, grow, prosper as you go. So we go. And so I want to say that on the record so that that's always in our minds, both on the public end and the private end of these things. Uh, these actions have consequences. This action today has consequence. We want that to always be forefront in our heads. Thank you.
The council approved the request unanimously. The next Monroe County Council meeting will be held on January 10th. On Sunday morning, Bloomington residents showed up to a drag show at Switchyard Brewery to show their support after the bar received threatening phone calls about the event. Residents were concerned that the Proud Boys or other far-right groups would attend the event to harass members of the LGBTQ community. According to Chelsea, a resident who attended the event, she learned about the potential threat online on TikTok. Yeah, uh, I saw, I actually got on my TikTok for you page last night. I got something that there was uh, supposed to be Proud Boys here. Yeah. So I put it on my social media and I came here at 8.45 and no trouble. Just been standing around, staying warm. Chelsea said that no one ended up attending the event aside from the large crowd of supporters who stood outside in the cold during the two hour long show. It's definitely the goal is for it, no one to actually be here and us to just stand around. So best case scenario is happening. Switchyard Brewing Company said in a statement, quote, We are incredibly thankful for and humbled by the strong show of support for the LGBTQIA plus community that we saw today. We are stronger together. And to each of you who turned out, spoke out or took a part in today, proved that, end quote. In today's feature report, we have an excerpt from the latest edition of KiteLine, our public affairs program devoted to prison-related issues in the Midwest and beyond. Monroe County government is quickly moving forward with a proposal for a more than $60 million jail to replace and expand the downtown jail. With little input from community members, consultants hired by the county have recommended jail expansion, and the county government has begun the purchase of an 87-acre, $10 million property. In response to the jail proposal controversy, a group of concerned local community members called Care Not Cages has been speaking up. Supporters want the county to pause the construction process and consider alternatives to expanding incarceration. KiteLine spoke to a member of the group to get some context about recent events. We turn now to a portion of that interview. The Care Not Cages group is a pretty diverse group of people. Generally, people didn't really know each other before joining the group. And yeah, we found each other just through like a series of meetings, all having this interest in opposing the new jail proposal. So the folks in the Community Justice Response Committee have been making a few different arguments for why it's important to not just build a new jail, but build a new jail sort of as soon as possible. Yeah. And that group is composed of a mix of like county commissioners, county council members, you know, some judges, there's the jail commander, prosecutor, a couple other bureaucrats. Yeah. And their argument has been mostly that the jail is overcrowded and not well-suited to care for the people staying in it. They've also argued that because of the ACLU case against the jail from about 10 years ago, there's some threat that the federal government is going to step in and force the county to build a giant cruel jail. And so to avoid that happening, they need to move really quick and build a very kind jail. 
which is obviously a little bit silly. Like jail is a cruel, violent thing. So like the first argument that to be humane as a county, we need to build a kinder jail and uh, we need to build a bigger one so that people aren't so crowded in there. You know, Care Not Cages is a group of a bunch of different people with different ideas. So we have some like different answers to that. I think one of the answers to that is that we need to find ways to have less people in jail. So many people in the Monroe County Jail are there because of drug convictions or mental health issues, you know, trauma, just people that don't have a place to stay and end up on the streets and then end up criminalized because of that. And jail is not, you know, an appropriate way to care for those people. And, you know, the jail commander said that the jail is the largest mental health provider in the county. And everyone we've talked to, you know, in the, in the community, it's been really, really clear that the jail being overcrowded shouldn't be some motivation for building an even bigger jail that doesn't actually make sense. What we need to do is get people out of there because it's, it's not a good place to be for anyone. So especially people that are struggling with mental health and trauma and addiction. The other argument about the fear of federal intervention and there needing to be a big hurry, our response has generally been that this process of like ACL escalating their lawsuit and the federal government pressuring the county to build a jail these are not going to happen overnight and there will be some conversation involved. You know, none of us are policy makers and none of us know the minutia of like how that would actually go down, but it just is very clear that these are not going to be overnight processes. And additionally, we've heard directly from the Indiana director of the ACLU, Ken Falk, that he's not interested in pursuing a case against the county right now. And so it just seems really clear that we do have time to slow down as a county and think through what we really want to do with $70 million, you know, more even, you know, but the first phase is going to be 70 million of this local income tax increase money. I think all of us think that there are better ways to spend it. So the bottom line is that at least so far, it seems like virtually everyone in county government really wants this jail built. There are some people speaking up about slowing down a little bit, but it seems like that's the momentum. And the next step in that process is for the city to rezone the property that the county wants to build on. The county is in the process of buying this 87-acre plot for $10 million, and it's not in the city's development plan to make it a jail. They want it to be an employment area, you know, and they went through this whole long process to get that approved and they got a bunch of community input. And so basically like the community has said they want this to be an employment area and that's clashes with the jail. And so the county has asked the city to get it rezoned for a jail. And the plan commission, this city body that gives recommendations on rezoning, reviewed it well, like a couple weeks ago and gave a pretty strong recommendation to not rezone it for a few different reasons. They don't want this to happen. There's concerns about transportation. There's concerns about the property itself, which has been undeveloped for a long time for very clear reasons to do with 
drainage and the karst's underground and yeah there's just a lot of concerns that the plan commission has it's not like they are political in any way it's not that they don't want a jail built they're just like this property doesn't really doesn't make sense to build a jail and to get it rezoned in this way but the city council is the final word on this and they could disregard that recommendation they're set to review this question at the end of the month probably so we definitely like encourage people to come out to that city council meeting and speak up there's a lot we can do to keep working on this and keep slowing down the process and just encouraging them to consider you know renovating the existing jail and i think it's not actually a lot to ask it's just think about other ways to address these problems in our community besides jail you know to take seriously these organizations that are you know doing work around reentry and sober living and just so many things that are really needed and need to be funded more and it's just not a lot to ask for them to take all this money that they clearly have sitting around for the county to put it into the high priority things that are really need to be funded right now so we're just going to keep pushing for that we've already gotten a lot of momentum started and they're definitely like hearing us and they're talking a lot more about healthcare in their community justice response committee meetings since people have spoken up and that's good though it's it's yet to be seen whether that's just talk we've also been just trying to gather people from different areas to just sort of start building a group of people who are talking to each other and who are thinking about how we can push for other uses for all of this income tax money. So on one hand, we've been asking nicely county council and the city council and all these different organizations, the Community Justice Response Committee, to listen to us as taxpayers. But I think also we're building an organization, like a loose organization that will be able to keep pushing for this even after they say no and say, no, we do really want to build this thing. During the Community Justice Response Committee meeting last week, several members of Care Not Cages spoke during public comment. We now turn to some of that testimony given in opposition to the proposed jail. Hi, I'm TM with Care Not Cages Group. I would like to uh, emphasize that jail and prison and incarceration in general is incredibly traumatizing. Uh, and we know uh, we've brought it up in this group before. 80% of inmates in our state suffer from mental health issues and substance abuse, and that incarcerating them will uh, exacerbate those issues. And while exacerbating those issues, incarcerating individuals uh, limits their access to treatment. Medicaid uh, will not allow you to spend money on folks without uh, freedom of movement, and that transfers that cost from the federal government to our local community and to members suffering from mental health issues and substance abuse. And I guess I want to also mention uh, last meeting we had the director of 
Courage to Change Sober Living came and she mentioned they receive a grant of $8,000 per individual that gets them through the year. And the county spends that much in 80 days on folks in the prison. There is an opportunity cost to incarcerating folks. And I believe that this committee should take every uh, option to limit the number of inmates as much as possible. Um, so I actually brought some um, pages of information to pass around if you'd like to, you can look at them now or later. But hi, thanks for having us. Thanks for providing this opportunity for comment. My name is Evie Barbu. I'm also with Care Not Cages and also do food advocacy work in Bloomington. And I came here to kind of point out the fact that up to this point, a lot of this discussion has focused around um, new jail. And so it is encouraging to hear this kind of shift in conversation towards more community and civil justice responses. I guess one of the suggestions that keeps coming up and um, was brought up today was the idea of co-locating um, social and mental health services with the new jail facility. And I want to reiterate that the creation of a jail campus is not a silver bullet solution to the problems with the current jail. In reality, I think that this approach is far more likely to divert energy and fiscal resources away from the very real and tangible uh, and evidence-based solutions stewarded by programs and facilities already in Bloomington. I want to ask what about having these facilities out of town and connected to the jail would be better than investing in the resources and programs we already trust that are already that already understand this community and that are physically accessible to those most at risk of incarceration. Many people do not have the means to get out to, you know, an, a campus outside of town. So I also want to reiterate what um, Jennifer Crosley mentioned earlier about working with um, local communities. There is an abundance of knowledge in this community. And a few weeks ago, Care Not Cages hosted an open meeting to hear from residents about the new jail proposal. A few of you were there and other attendees included several social workers and people who have loved ones who are currently in jail or were in jail. Together, we came up with a list of nearly 70 ways that we could address the problems that contribute to incarceration rates. That's on these pages. These are the direct responses. So in case those haven't been shared from your fellow committee members, I wanted to share those today. Some of those included like addiction harm res uh, reduction, funding to courage to change, um, improve, improved reliable, affordable access to work or transit access to work and others that were discussed today. So again, I think that there's a lot of other solutions available and it is possible to leverage taxpayer dollars to support people in this community and provide them with the resources and care. So thank you. Uh, my name is Nicole Siegel. I'm also with Care Not Cages. This is a group made up of local residents who understand how damaging jail is and how important it is to make sure the fewest possible members of our community have to spend time there. We're here to ask primarily why the county and the CRJC in particular have not followed up on the most obvious and promising recommendation of the Ken Ray report, which the county itself commissioned 
to estimate the costs of renovating the existing facility. Why have you not taken this basic step? I also want to ask what budgetary provisions you're making for paying back the interest, uh, which will be a regular annual cost for 30 or 50 years of the bond, and what other provisions you're making for paying back the capital when that bond comes due in 30 or 50 years, or are we going to endlessly defer this down to the next generations? Hi. I'm Bryn Thomas. I'm also with Care Not Cages. Um, I'm here to raise concerns about the land and the location. Uh, it doesn't seem like there is a clear plan yet flush out for co-locating the services or moving all the infrastructure around the jail um, to this new location. Furthermore, jail is already isolating and putting them out from the center of the community already isolates people even more. Also, the county has not provided a clear plan of how transit for families to this new jail location would work. And also the environmental study has not been completed and there's concerns about the buildability of the site due to water runoff. So I'd like to see that study completed before the purchase is finalized. Support for WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolar.com. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Cade Young and Noelle Husky schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Mia Beach. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Cade Young. For WFHB, I'm Deke Hager. And I'm Noelle Husky schneider Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at wfhb.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters, WFHB, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for With Good Reason, coming up next on WFHB. WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB Local News Volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB Local News Archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB Local News. We are local, longer, 